How do I control money? Envelopes. The first of the month, I divide up my cash. One for groceries, one for gas, one for fun. It helps plan out my spending. And that's how we came up with digital envelopes for your checking account. Our customers give us the best ideas. Huntington, welcome. How do we control money? Highlighters. Every Sunday, we go over all our statements, and we highlight the hotspots. And that's how we came up with intelligent text alerts that help watch over your money. Our customers give us the best ideas. Huntington, welcome. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporek. We are less than one week from the start of the regular season, so it is time for my co-host's favorite episode of the preseason, our awards picks. Before we get into those, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? I so much look forward to this episode, Brian. Whoop, whoop. I know. The only award I care about is if we win Podcasters of the Year or something like that. Right now, that's, (laughs) that's it. Oh, I know you're excited to go on rants about why these all of these awards are stupid. So Now, that's true. That's actually <laughs> true. Yeah. So, actually, I mean, this, this year, because of all the player movement this summer, because this title race is so wide open, I think that's going to have a trickle-down effect into the awards race as well. I think you can argue outside of Rookie of the Year, where there is one clear favorite, but there, I mean, there's still a chance that someone else comes out and wins. Right. Um, the rest of these things are wide open. Like you can come up with a couple of very good candidates for all of the awards, and then you know awards like Most Improved Player, which we'll get into later, there's always like 10 or 12 good candidates. So more, let's start with the big one. Let's start with MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo won last year. According yeah. to Bovada, he is favored to win again this year. It is the best odds at plus 300. Are you taking Giannis for a repeat, or are you going somewhere else? So it's certainly feasible, uh, but I'm going in a different direction. I'm going with Steph, man. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Clay's going to be out. We don't know if it's the full year or just a large chunk of it. KD's no longer there. Draymond is not that 14-point player that he used to be. So that means you know all green lights go ahead for Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I expect him to have one of the most insane statistical seasons in, in recent memory. And I'm just realizing I'm saying that when James Harden dropped 36 last year. So never mind that. But <laughs> you know what I mean, though? I yeah. Mean, we're looking at, at a guy who's probably going to average around 33 points while hitting. <laughs> See, this sounds ridiculous, but he's done it before. While hitting over 403 points. <laughs> right. Just listen to that, man. Like yeah. I grew up in the 90s with 90s basketball. When I looked on a basketball card and it said a player had hit 103 for a, for a season, I was like, oh, man, knockdown shooter. And I was looking at 400. Yeah, like some teams didn't even hit 403s, I bet. Right. Like it's, it's so ridiculous to even talk about. But, yeah, so I'm looking for just a major statistical season for, for Steph. The, the key number for me, though, that's 50. Because I think that's kind of the drop-off point in terms of wins and losses for Golden State. Like, mm. do, do, even if Steph has one of the most insane seasons of all time, you know, does he get that MVP if, if they don't win 50 games? I right. have my doubts. Um, but I think Steph 
is that good of a player. I think honestly, we we tend to sleep on Steph a lot. Like we're looking at the Warriors and, and people are like, oh, they may not even make the playoffs. Like this is Steph Curry, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we doing? He's one of the greatest players in NBA history. Uh, and according to Steve Kerr, he's mentally and physically at his peak and just yeah. like completely tuned in. I'm I'm buying stock in Steph for this year. Also, yeah. and this this matters. I think voters like a switch in narrative, and mm-hmm. narrative drives votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to see Giannis substantially improving upon what he did last year, and the Bucks substantially improving. I mean, they won sixty games. You know, they had a huge jump because of Giannis taking a leap, Budenholzer not being a terrible coach compared to their previous two coaches. Right. So it'll be hard, even if Giannis boosts his per game averages a little bit which i think is very well within the realm of possibility steph is going to take such a big leap forward in theory just because of the factors you mentioned no kd no clay i mean no iggy no sean livingston like this is a very depleted warriors team outside of steph dre d'angelo russell those Mm. guys will contribute in some capacity of course but you know, Steph, we saw that the other night in the preseason, where he had like 40 points in 25 minutes or whatever. Like yeah. that, and, you know, it's after the game, he was saying like, I'm, look, I'm not going to do that every night, but I know that I need to take a bigger role than I have the past few years when I've had these safety blankets in Clay, in KD, who can pick mm-hmm. me up and score 30 when I, you know, if I'm going to score like 18 or 20, that's okay, because we have these other guys. They don't have that anymore. So I'm with you. I mean, if I'm looking at the best values on the board, Steph definitely stands out. Um, We've been harping on this all summer, and we're going to continue to harp on this, how load management is going to be one of the biggest storylines throughout the entire season, and it's going to trickle down into this MVP race as well. So I'm looking at LeBron James is at plus 650, Anthony Davis is at plus 700, Kawhi Leonard is at plus 900, Paul George at plus 1600. You know, George is already going to miss the first couple weeks of the season, it sounds like, as he recovers from the shoulder injury. So I think that's going to knock him probably out of the race, barring just like a massive eruption throughout the entire rest of the season. Kawhi says he's going to play more than he did last year, but I, you know, I believe it when I see it. And I just don't think it's a great idea if, if he's, if, you know, what happened last year worked. I don't think you should necessarily tweak that formula and force him to play 75-plus games during the regular season. Like, right. preserve his body for the playoffs. Same with Joel Embiid at plus 1,200. You know, he's coming out and he's saying I, he played 64 games last year, or 60, 63 or 64, and he's like, I'm going to play more this year. I'm going to play 70 games. That's possible. But I don't know that he's going to play enough minutes in those games. You know, his per-minute production will be great. But I don't know that he's going to play as much as a Steph or as a Giannis. So those two guys, I think, are at the forefront of the race. Nikola Jokic at plus 1,200, I think, is probably the best value on the board. Um, I don't think... I think he deserves to be behind Giannis and Steph to start the year. But I would put him right in that number three tier, right next to Kawhi and LeBron and Davis, just because... You know, he might not play 35-plus minutes. I think he'll play in the low 30s, but given the pace Denver plays at, he's going to have monster numbers this year. And if So Denver... I actually disagree with that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, why? B- 
because you know we are seeing so many guys coming up from Denver right now. You have the addition of Jeremy Grant. Michael Porter Jr. is going to come in. He's going to take a lot of shots. So you know, Jokic barely averaged 20 last year. So uh-huh. it's I think it's reasonable to assume that he's not going to put up 20. He, he's probably going to take you know scale back his offense a little bit, and then he's instead of averaging 20 and 12 and and eight or whatever it was or seven I think it was, mm. he's probably going to look at something like 18 and then more rebounds and more assists, which is all fine and dandy. But when is the last time we've had an MVP who didn't average 20? I think it was Steve Nash back in the day. Yeah. So I think the 20 point mark is becoming. And in, you know, increasingly important factor for voters, at least it seems mm-hmm. scoring is just way more important. Um, it, it, it's, I mean, you look, you have to find minutes for so many guys and shots for him. Like Jokic is the definition of unselfish. Like he doesn't care. He'll leave a game with five points, and if it's a win, he's fine with that. Now you have Malik Beasley entering his his you know second year of being a reliable, dependable role player in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like he had a breakout year last year. Same goes for Monte Morris. Now you have Juan Hernan Gomez, who's also going, who's developed and, and is is better now. You know Jamal Murray's looking for a bigger role. Gary Harris is coming back after being injured, trying to reestablish himself. Will Barton is keen on you know showing that last year was a fluke. Michael Porter Jr. is like, okay, I've been more or less been injured for two years. Let me get my shots up. And again, Jeremy Grant is there, and like I get that he's also unselfish, but he's still gonna need shots. So ultimately, Jokic is, is <laughs> he is really going to be the point guard this year. Yeah, but I think the things that could work in his favor are, one, if his three-point shooting regresses positively. You know, he shot only 30.7% last year from three. So if that goes up, even if his volume of shots decreases slightly, that could help make up for, you know, if he's taking 14 or 13 shots a game instead of he averaged 15.1 last year, but he's hitting a higher volume of threes, then his scoring average will stay somewhat the same. And I, I really do think, like, I know he played a ton of minutes in the playoffs. Like, he's not going to average, you know, he put up 25, 13, and 8 in the playoffs, but he played 40 minutes. Like, he's he's not going to do that during the regular season. But I think that did show a more aggressive side of Jokic. And I think, yeah. you know, he's only, <laughs> he's still really young. He's only 24, I believe. So, like, yeah, there's... There's a chance that he's just developed, you know, maybe last year was the first year where he really sees that leadership mantle. And Paul Millsap, since he's been in Denver, has been hammering this in Jokic's head. Like, look, you're the leader of this team. You're our max guy. We need to follow you. And, you know, I I get it. You're totally right. There are a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. And it's possible that Jokic does take a step back as a scorer. But I could also see a world wherein he realizes, like, look, I actually need to be more aggressive hunting for my own offense. Like, it's okay to do that and to learn a better balance between seeking out shots personally and then also keeping my teammates happy. So I don't I don't think, like, I'm not picking Jokic as my MVP. But, again, if I'm looking at, like, the mm. odds here and I'm saying, like, oh, you know, plus 1,200 for him, I could see a world where that, like, I, I think that's a better bet. You, you know, Jokic at plus 1,200 than Harden at plus 800 just because of the possible load management and him having to share touches with Russell Westbrook. Or, like, Westbrook's at plus 1,400. I would much rather take Jokic than Westbrook. I'd, I'd rather take Jokic than Embiid. They're, they're both at plus 1,200. I think, you know, 
on a per-minute basis, Embiid is going to outperform Jokic, but I don't think Embiid's going to play enough games. Jokic is one of the rare guys where I don't think load management is going to be as much of an issue for him as it is for a lot of the other guys toward the top of this odds board. So Right, because he's he plays like 30 minutes a game. Right, right. And he's still young. He doesn't have a huge injury history. Like, you know, LeBron's going to be 35 in December. Anthony Davis is already hurt. This just, it, it's not a serious injury from what it seems like. He's, you know, he might play uh, on Wednesday. So hopefully he's fine. But like, he tends to pick up these bumps and bruises that knock him out for a couple games. Again, Kawhi is, says he's going to play more than he did last year, but I don't know why he would. Or maybe he plays 65 games instead of 60, but... Hey, that's more. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I think (laughs) it's going to go to someone who plays, just given how many quality candidates there are this year, I think load management is going to knock a couple guys back compared to where they otherwise would. So, yeah, I'm torn between Steph and Giannis as well. Um, Like, my, my brain says... Giannis, but my heart says Steph. But I'm going to actually go with my brain just because I think Giannis is pissed, man. I think the yeah. way that last season ended, that you know, he they steamroll throughout the regular season. He wins MVP. They win 60 games. They look like they're going to go to the finals. They go up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Everything's hunky-dory. Then they lose four straight. And I think that's going to be... It's just going to put a fire in Giannis's belly like he's never had before. He's hearing the chatter about, you know, maybe we don't have enough to win. Maybe in 2021 I'm going elsewhere. I think he wants to shut everyone up. I think yeah, he but wants... don't you do that in the in the playoffs instead of the regular season though? I think he's going to set a tone. I think he's going to use the regular season to set. I mean, he did last year. Yeah, he did. But maybe that's the thing. Maybe he looks at last year and went, okay, we came up short in the playoffs. That's all that matters to me. So yeah. maybe I actually scale it back even more in the in the regular season. Like he only played what thirty two minutes, I want to say, off the top yeah. of my head last year. Yeah, uh, thirty two point eight. So it's not like you know, I don't think he's like a Harden where he's playing thirty eight right. minutes a game and wearing down. Like I don't think that was the problem for him. It's not like they wore down. It's just that Eric Bledsoe disappeared again. You know, he. The question with Giannis is, what does his three pointer look like this year? Like, if he could start consistently hitting that more, you know, yeah. he, he started taking more last year than he had before, hit 25.6%. Not great, but not, you know, at least he's right. taking them. It's better than previous Ben Simmons, so that's something in his cap. But if he bumps that up to, like, 30 or in the low 30s, all of a sudden he's completely unguardable. Yeah, but he, so here's the thing. He's, he was so much more efficient around the rim that I almost mm-hmm. don't want him to become that kind of a floor spacer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I mean, no, that's I, as, so you, yeah. you're talking about just basically complementing his established game. Right, yeah. No, yeah. I don't want him to start taking 10 threes a game. I, like, right. his volume of threes is correct. You know, he averaged yeah. 17.3 shots last year, 2.8 were threes. That's right. Yes, like yeah. lean into your dominance in transition around the rim 100%. But yes, if he can start hitting that three more, it's going to change the way that teams defend him. I mean, it's right. like it, it's within the realm of possibility. It's not likely, but it's possible that he puts up a 30, 15, and 5 this year. That's an interesting one. Like a line? Like a, mm-hmm. a, yeah. He was at 27.7, 12.5, mm. and 5.9 last year. 
look, again, it's certainly feasible depending yeah. on, you know, minutes, load management. Not that I'm saying he's going to get load managed, but you know, I just look at it as him, you know, coming from from Greece and and with this very European mindset. And that's also part a part of why I look at Jokic a little bit differently. Like that's that's this is always like a shared mentality. Like the the championship is always like the key component in mm-hmm. in winning a season. And I could just see those guys just think, well, you know what? We came up short in the playoffs. That's where it, yeah. it needs to matter. So maybe we scale back on the very heavy 82-game workload. Mm-hmm. And, and because we know where we are, we know that we're absolute elites of the elites. We can do whatever we want in the basketball court. So if it takes us 28 minutes a game to get our work done and get W, hey, you know what? I'm good with that. But mm-hmm. I, look, I may be miscalculating that entirely and Giannis may be on a big fu tour right that could certainly be feasible i mean i'm not ruling that out i'm just looking at steph and i'm looking at him having gone through two injured seasons now he seems to be fully healthy Mm -hmm. and like even with durant over the past three years he still managed over 26 points a game oh yeah and 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 alongside clay as, as well right so like the capabilities and is still there. He's gonna play significantly more, I think. Ultimately, mm-hmm. if if the Warriors want to 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 make the playoffs, which I have to assume because you wouldn't want to waste a year of Curry's prime. So, right. Uh, whereas that luxury, you know, the, the the Warriors of all teams don't they don't have that luxury right now that they had over all those years. Milwaukee and Denver do. They are so deep. They're so good. Otherwise, like they can afford to give those guys games off here and there yeah yeah i I think ultimately it sounds like we both agree it's a two-man probably a two-man race at the very top between Giannis and Steph and at that point flip a coin (laughs) oh man Houston fans are gonna be our on our asses though that's fine go right ahead how do I control money envelopes the first of the month I divide up my cash one for groceries one for gas one for fun it helps plan out my spending And that's how we came up with digital envelopes for your checking account. Our customers give us the best ideas. Huntington, welcome. And now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. Time to start the bird seed. Watch out for the seagulls. Oh, my head. Are you okay? United Healthcare helps connect you to care whenever you need it. Like video chatting with a doctor right from your phone. So I don't need stitches? No, just put some antibiotic cream on it. Great. Thank you, doctor. United Healthcare. Health plan benefits may vary. Let's yeah. go to defensive player of the year, Mort. Because if, if Giannis doesn't win MVP, he could at least be in the mix for this one. So Rudy Gobert is at plus 145. He's the favorite, according to Bovada. But Giannis is second, plus 375. Paul George is third, actually, at plus 599. Anthony Davis plus eight hundred, Joel Embiid plus eight fifty. So the usual suspects yeah. are toward the top of that uh, odds leaderboard. Who's your pick for DPOY? Embiid. Embiid. It seems really? like yes. It seems like uh, DPOY, it, you know, votes are are less dependent on for some reason load management. <laughs> I don't know why. It seems like the debate about load management is always connected to MVP instead of DPOY. Yeah. Um. I think. Philly is going to have the best defense in the league. Like, we are mm-hmm. seeing Matisse Thibault just completely tear everything <laughs> up. Sayer yeah. Smith is is going into his second year, like, full year, healthy. Uh, and he was a, a defensive game changer uh, at Texas Tech. 
I, I ultimately what I look at from Philly is that they have so many guys on the perimeter who can just like close off on threes. And if you work, the, if you try to work the paint, you're met by Embiid and Al Horford. Mm-hmm. And then you throw Ben Simmons into everything as this sort of free roamer. I, I, I ultimately, I said this on Twitter just a couple hours ago. I think Philly is going to lead the league in most opponent uh, attempts from mid range, mm. and which is the shot that you want opponents to take. Yeah. And if you have the best defense in the league, which is what I think they will, mm-hmm. then you look at who's the most influential defender. And if you have a guy like Embiid who just removes everything from the paint, just everything, obliterates everyone who comes in there. And who can also stick with guys on the 10 to 15 feet range. And he's just mm-hmm. a maniac on that end of the floor. Then I think you at least got to give him some serious uh, consideration. I mean, I get the Gobert selection. that like That's the obvious candidate right there. You could also throw in Draymond. Like, because yeah. he's going to have way more minutes this year. Yep. But I, I, I think it's Embiid's time. Yeah, I mean, Embiid came out during media day, said he's made that a goal. So did Ben Simmons, actually, which was funny. Oh. Yeah, he, he said he wanted to be the best defensive player on the team. And he's like, I hope my teammates hear that. I hope they want to be, too. Um, and you I, you didn't even mention Josh Richardson, who's going to... I didn't. Uh, yeah. I did it in my tweets, so my okay, defense, good. yes. Good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, but oh, yeah, he's, he's also... Yeah, he's a critical piece. I I think I have a thing going up on Forbes tomorrow about him, but he's going to be a critical piece defensively for them, especially, you know, last year, the Sixers' two biggest defensive issues were they couldn't corral the point of attack at all. Like, they Kemba put up 60 against them. They gave up just countless number of 30 or 35 or 40-point games um, to not only to, like, the usual Steph, Kyrie, James Harden, Devin Booker, but, like, Spencer Dinwiddie lit them up for, like, 35 like they just couldn't guard guards at all. So having Josh right. Richardson there will help and won't put Embiid in as many bad situations as he was in last year. Cause the Sixer defense was not good last year. I think they were 14th or 15th overall, which is right around league average, which is not what you want from a team with at that point, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, you know, they had Redick, but you know, still you have Joel Embiid. You should not be 15th in the league in defense. Right. So, yeah, I'm with you. They're, they're going to have an absolutely nasty defense this year. And, like, rebounding alone, man, it, just watching them during the preseason, you don't get second-chance points against this team because even if Embiid is going and chasing blocks, you have Al Horford on the other side to rebound the ball. It's outrageous. And Kylo Quinn coming off the bench, too. Like, that was their other issue last year was backup center. Now, instead of Boban, who... I love him, but he couldn't move laterally. And right. Amir Johnson, who is, you know, basically retired last year. Now you have Horford and Kylo Quinn. So all of that's going to help. And, you know, again, you're right. It's going to be, it's going to a team. Or DPOY is going to a player on a team with a top five defense. So that will definitely help Embiid's candidacy. I'm going to be boring and go with Gobert. I know it's lame. But I get it. I just think their defense is going to be better because they got Mike Conley in there. Like yeah. I know we're focusing a lot on the fit offensively with him and Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, now because they have – like Conley's a great defender too. Mm-hmm. But because they have Conley who can help take some of the offensive creation responsibility from Donovan Mitchell, you've alluded to this before as well, Mitchell's going to have 
a chance to assert himself on defense more, which was supposed to be his strength coming out of college. Like, mm-hmm. it's a surprise that he took off offensively like he has in his first few seasons because that was the part of his game that was supposed to need more refinement. Like, he was supposed to just be a really good defensive player, spark plug kind of guy, and then turns out he's actually just great all around. So their perimeter defense is going to be great. Um, you still have Joe Ingles in there right. coming off the bench now. So At Davis as well. At Davis as well, yeah. So I think the Jazz are also, you know, so long as Gobert stays upright, they're going to have a top five defense. They have pretty much every year for the past few years. So I think he's the safe pick, and I'm going to go with him. But Draymond 1800 is the one that surprised me the most. Like, that seems like great value for Draymond because I've mentioned this before, but he's going to need to play a much bigger role, much like Curry, as we talked about with MVP. Because they lost so much talent, Draymond's going to need to play a much bigger role. He's not going to be able to half-ass his way through the regular season and then go on a crash diet in March ahead of the playoffs. Like, they're going to need locked-in Draymond from the jump because, yeah, the Warriors are still likely to make the playoffs. I'm not going to say they are a 100% lock because if Curry goes down, so do they. But because they have a slimmer margin of error this year, I think Draymond knows, like, okay, I can't preserve myself for the playoffs this year because it's going to be a dogfight just to get into the playoffs. Right. So basically you have to rely on that hope that he realizes that. The thing is... You know, he's he's shown that tendency to come into camp a little bit overweight before. Now, I, I know this mm-hmm. time it looks a little bit different, but ultimately he does check out a little bit. And that's that was one of my big concerns for energy players. I brought this up a ton beforehand. Like eventually as an energy player, you look at Joakim Noah as well as a primary example. Like you just get tired of bringing that energy every single night for years yeah. and years on end. Like it's just... Oh boy, do I have to scream again? Do I really have to like just? Uh, I don't. I don't have it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, especially when you reach your late twenties and everything seems to be you know slowed down a little bit. So I, I just wonder if he has the you know the same aspirations. Not that I'm not suggesting that he's not hungry. Like it's Draymond, he's he's always sure. hungry. But yeah, um, I don't know. He just got a fat new contract. He's he's entering that tight, you know, that those years, and he's still not the lightest guy around. So, <laughs> right, I don't know. I I can see it being a value pick if he's motivated, but man, you're yeah. putting all your money in the head of Draymond. Yeah, well, and because also, I mean, that's just a lot of extra miles on the legs. Five straight finals trips. Right. You know, yes, he's not a spring chicken either. He's, you know, not 24 anymore. So right. Yeah, I mean. And well, I mean, great... no KD. Maybe that frees him up. Like, yeah, apparently, that, right. that's like, that's another distraction that may have gone <laughs> away. For sure. Let's go into Rookie of the Year, where there is one clear favorite in right. Zion Williamson, the number one overall pick. He is a minus 130. I think this is the only award. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the only award where there is a minus 100 or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, like, a clear, clear favorite, according to Vegas, but... There's also John Morant, who's number two pick, Grizzlies point guard at plus 450, R.J. Barrett at plus 550. If you're going to bet on R.J. Barrett, just send me the money instead. Like, if you hate money that much, R.J. Barrett is not winning rookie of the year. I'm sorry. 
Um, but then those are the top three, and then after that, there's a steep drop-off from odds. Michael Porter Jr. is at plus 1,600. He's the next closest. So, more probably a two-man race between Zion and John Morant. Which way are you going? I'm actually going with Morant, and... Uh, I'm I'm not saying that he is necessarily the better player because I don't think he is. Sign is the mm-hmm. better player. Sure. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to role and usage, and I think pe- the Pelicans are just deeper. Mm-hmm. They are going to rely a lot on their veterans in terms of Drew Holiday, JJ Redick, and Derek Favors, and you can you can throw in Brandon Ingram as a, as a as a veteran as well into some capacity. And you know, there's Josh Hart that needs minutes. You know, Lonzo Ball is trying to wipe away the years in, in Los Angeles as well. So I, I don't necessarily think that Sion is just going to get free reign as he's had here in the preseason. I, yeah. I know that he's been outstanding, but I don't necessarily think that what he's done in the preseason is going to be a representative of what he's going to do in the regular season. Whereas John Morant, as a point guard on a team that is still very much, very exciting. I have them pretty high on my league pass ranking, but right. it's, it's still a team that's not... It's not deep in that they're sense. Bad. They have a lot of intriguing, and they're bad. They, <laughs> yeah. they don't. They don't have a lot of quality there. He is going to have as many touches as he damn wants. Right. Like there's there's not going to be any limitations on how many touches he's going to get. Correct. And if there if there's a dude who can put up stats, and let's let's agree, Roy is a stats game. Yep. Like that's that's what it's all about. I don't care because otherwise the, the history would look much different on those award winners. Uh, <laughs> I think Sion is going to be the best rookie, like, mm-hmm. but I think Moran is just going to have better stats, which again comes down to my disdain of the NBA <laughs> awards because right. why would you go that route? Like again, Malcolm Brockton won this award over Joel Embiid. Just because oh longevity, I don't or, or you know limited yeah. games doesn't yeah. matter. Embiid was like three dimensions better right it it wasn't even comparable but it's a stats game and a numbers game and morand uh is going to play i think you know a full season i don't suspect any injuries on his part necessarily Mm -hmm. he's going to put up major assist stats he's going to put up major scoring stats he's even a very very good rebounder from the point guard position so we're looking at a guy who can come in Right off the bat, an average at least 15, 5, and 7.5. And yeah. that's Those are significant numbers for a rookie. And I think just because of the situation that Sion finds himself in, in New Orleans, it just seems like Moran is is the pick. Yeah. I me, actually made that exact case at the Basketball Writers a couple weeks ago. And you can check cool. it out at bballwriters.com. Uh, use the code THENBAPOD for 10% off your daily monthly or annual subscription um because i i went and i looked you know i was looking at all these awards races and looking at the odds and saying like you know what i i get why zion's a favorite but i could see a world wherein morant wins and then i went back and looked i was like oh wait anthony davis did not win rookie of the year yeah i'm oh you're stealing my point here yeah because who (laughs) won that year brian damian lillard exactly yeah and, and Anthony Davis that year was sharing touches with, like, Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson and Grievous yeah. Vasquez, I think, was the third leading scorer on that Pelicans team. Yeah, and I think he—I I don't know if that was the year he let the league in assists. Oh. Or maybe that was—but, yeah. I don't know. God. <laughs> the NBA has come so far in six years. Yeah. Um, but the point is, 
Zion is entering a much deeper Pelicans team with Redick, Holiday, Favors, Ball, Ingram, Josh Hart. They're two rookies as well. The are his fellow rookies, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander Walker. All of those guys deserve minutes, deserve touches. So I was with you on the like if I'm looking for value, uh Morant's the guy. <laughs> but this preseason has shaken my conviction a lot because it might not matter. Zion might just be so damn good right. that he might not need 15 shots because he's going to hit 14 of them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal what he could. I mean, you know, I was watching yeah. the highlights of what he did to the Bulls, and he, like, there were four guys between him and the basket, and it didn't matter. Right. Or what so, he did against Gobert. Uh, oh on yeah, his home floor that was ridiculous. I mean, yeah. the way he just spun around Gobert like this is a six six. Like we talked about Luka Doncic being a fat European. Here right. we have a six six, at least chubby former <laughs> Dukey, right. uh, who who is just basically spinning and moving his way around elite defenders. It's, yeah. it's just outstanding. But and and I, I totally get where you're coming from. Like. The, the, the logic here might just not matter. Like, he'll right. just say, oh, oh, Drew Holiday is supposed to be MVP. F that. Right. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to show everyone. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, yeah. It might, especially because he's coming in so hyped. I mean, there's a risk that if he doesn't put up monster numbers and Morant does, then it'll be seen as like, oh, should he not have been the number one pick? Which will be stupid. Let's preempt that yeah. conversation right now. No. But was that conversation there with Davis, though? I feel like everyone was, like, pretty acceptable of his. Yeah, I know, hope somewhat, so. Yeah. But then, I, then again, Twitter wasn't as... Uh, right. Like, first take wasn't... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just anticipating the worst because of yeah. what's happened over the past few years. So, yeah, I'm leaning Zion here, but I would not be surprised at all if Morant wins for the reasons you brought up and I, I wrote at, at B-Ball Writers a few weeks ago. It's just... Seeing Zion in action this preseason has definitely shaken my belief in that a little bit. Right. How do I control money? Envelopes. The first of the month, I divide up my cash. One for groceries, one for gas, one for fun. It helps plan out my spending. And that's how we came up with digital envelopes for your checking account. Our customers give us the best ideas. Huntington, welcome. Welcome to Tim Hortons. Thanks. I'll have... A pumpkin spice latte? How'd you know? Oh, was it my pumpkin earrings? Yeah, maybe. Or is it my pumpkin hat? That's a great hat. Oh, is it my ringtone? It's pumpkin spice time! Yep, bingo. It's pumpkin spice time now at Tim Hortons. Indulge in a creamy pumpkin spice latte or a sweet and cold pumpkin spice iced cap. Pumpkin spice beverages are back now at Tim Hortons. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Pumpkin spice time. All right, let's move to six-man of the year, where there is probably another clear favorite, at least in terms of odds. It was Lou Williams is there at plus 170. The next closest is Spencer Dinwiddie at plus 700. Uh, Terrence Ross and Montrez Harrell at plus 900. Jeremy Grant plus 1,400. Eric Gordon's plus 1,400, but I'm assuming he starts this year, so I'm not considering him in my personal rankings. And then... Bobby Portis plus 1800 Again, if you're going to vote on Bobby Portis or you're going to put money on Bobby Portis, just send the money to us. It's a much better use of your time and money. Um, Derrick Rose is also plus 1800 as well. So where are you going here, Mort? You know what? While you were talking, I made a decision. Okay. 
I am actually going to strike or protest and not pick a six-man winner because the logic of this award <laughs> is so dumb and so bad, I won't have it anymore. I am st- I'm on full strike against voting you know, on, on six-man of the year because this is all scoring. Like yeah. you and I talked about it before we started recording. Like this is Lou Williams because scoring is all that matters. Mm-hmm. Like I no, I'm not there. I don't want the six man of the year award to be all about scoring. That is dumb. You have <laughs> legitimate two way guys coming off the bench on several teams. Like if Joe Ingles is going to be, you know, the sixth man in Utah, then he mm-hmm. is clear cut the sixth man favorite, or she should be. But instead of oh points, <laughs> that's that's better. No. I'm not there. I am. I'm on strike, and I am protesting. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, you raise a fair point. Like it, it is going to go. In all likelihood, it's going to go to the guy who comes off the bench and scores the most. So Lou Williams is the deserved favorite for that reason. He's won it the past two years. He's a three-time winner. Jamal Crawford is the only other three-time winner of this award. You have to assume, again, that, you know, that yes, the Clippers upgraded significantly this summer with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Those are very good guys. They're going to take a lot of touches. You know, Lou might not get as many attempts per game, but the guys they're surrounding them with, Patrick Beverly, Zubach, Mo Harkless, like those guys don't necessarily need a ton of shots. Even Landry Shamit's just going to shoot a bunch of threes. You're not, he's not going to take 20-plus shots a game. So... Lou Williams is going to come off the bench, be probably the Clippers' third leading scorer, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. So, yes, he's going to put up ridiculous numbers in probably not huge minutes, which is why he is the deserved favorite for this award. I like Dinwiddie here. I, I mean, I think he's also going to put up some big numbers in Brooklyn behind uh, Kyrie and Levert. Um, Grant, I think... He's going to be one of the best bench players in the league, but I don't think he's going to put up the per-game numbers to merit. See, this is what I'm saying. He's going yeah. to be way more influential because of his defense than many of his counterpart, you know, his or his his competitions for this award. Mm-hmm. And he's probably not going to be mentioned as anything because, oh, what can we use a guy who gets like nine points and seven rebounds for? Right. Yeah. This yeah. is dumb. <laughs> it's fair. This is very, very dumb. I like that the Ingles one is interesting. That actually could be a good dark race. I don't even see him listed. He's not listed on Bovada, at least. Um, but that was before. Well, I don't know. Actually, I don't know when they updated this last. But, you know, maybe they just don't realize he's coming off the bench yet. Um, that's going to be, yeah, because Eric Gordon yeah. is still listed as, as a possible candidate. And who knows if he's coming off the bench or not. But we assume, especially with the Gerald Green injury, he is going to be probably locked in that starting lineup next to Russ and James Harden. Um, yeah, I mean, Lou just stands at, Like, you brought up uh, before we started that Montrez Harrell might steal some votes from him, which is very fair. Um, but there just aren't, you know, like Rodney Hood, I think, is going to start. So yeah, he's out. Bogdan Bogdanovich, possibly, in Sacramento. Um, Seth Curry in Dallas, maybe, if Luka just feeds him 100 threes a game, which is very possible. All points hungry. All about the offense. I know. I mean, you just have to look at how voters have gone before. Um, But, yeah, I mean, just based on the historical precedent here, 
Lou Williams seems like the very safe pick for sixth man this year, and he would be the first four-time winner of this award. So Drake will have to write him another song. <laughs> Let's get into most improved player, which oh, is... Oh, you're going to hate me on this one. Re- oh, God. <laughs> I'm dreading this already. But this is really probably the toughest award to predict every year just because you are projecting a breakout, which is not easy. If you could do that, then it wouldn't necessarily be a breakout. And, you know, sometimes it's more obvious that a guy's about to break out. Like CJ McCollum is the quintessential example from a couple of years ago where, you know, he was moving into the starting lineup. You saw it toward the end of the previous season where he, his volume, his shot volume went up significantly and all of a sudden he was a 20 point per game scorer. So with increased volume came an obvious pick, but then there are guys like Pascal Siakam who you know, went from averaging like seven and four and starting five games in 27, 2017, 2018 to last year. We averaged 17 and seven started, I think all but one of the games he played and was the second best player on his title team. Like that was just a genuinely great leap from Siakam. So this thing and is would wide still have open. lost if not Karis LeVert went down, who I picked. <laughs> right. That, that's true. Yes, 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 yes. You do deserve credit mm-hmm. for for the Levert pick here. So in terms of odds on Bovada, this is the most wide open one. There is there's no one with better than plus 1,000 odds. And to not skew your thinking here, skew your surprise, I will not read the names before you tell me who I'm going to hate that you picked. You can already guess it, though. I feel like it. Then go ahead. I, I see. I don't know because, I, so Terry Roger is second on the list here in terms of odds. <laughs> Spoiler: It's not Terry Roger. Okay, good. <laughs> but he's second on the list of odds with plus eleven hundred, and like by virtue of he's going to score more. Like his per game averages are going to go up because mm-hmm. he's playing on a Hornets team that just gave him $57 million and is terrible and has no one else. Like, if you're only looking at per-game stats, Roger is an obvious pick. But thankfully, I know you are not going to fall into that. Uh, no, I, I'm into way that more obscure than that. Way oh, ooh, more obscure. You know uh, who I'm talking about. I'm just going to say it. it's a it's a former process sixer. Oh. Christian Wood. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm I'm going with this me, one. I am I am see. ride or die. With he is Christian not even Wooden. on the board. There are there are like thirty candidates. No, more than thirty candidates, and he is not listed as one of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> goes to show what they know. Oh my god. Yeah. There. One, two, three, four, five, six. There are forty-nine candidates listed on Bovada, and Christian Wood is not one of them. No, well, that's a problem on their end. <laughs> you should put money on this. You I, probably yeah, get like, I, I, I may have to, honestly. Yeah, you could yeah. probably get like plus 20,000 odds. Put like <laughs> five bucks on this. You're going to be rich. <laughs> well, can we talk about how he is continuously underrated? Because I know you agree with me on that one. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He's not going to play enough to win this award. That's actually what I think he will. Because okay. I think that Christian Wood is going to be Detroit's second best forward mm. this year. 
They have Blake Griffin, then they have Markeith Morris. That's about it in terms of the forwards. Mm -hmm. I think Christian Wood is going to outplay Keith, and I think he's going to do so rather significantly because Keith is just a a shot jacker. Mm -hmm. I don't think his influence on the game is, is all that great. I think Woods is. He has gotten better and better. And I, I still can't comprehend why New Orleans gave him up to this extent because he would have just brought so much more depth to that team. Like, he did well. I understand garbage time in that sense. Like, it was late in the season. You know, games really didn't matter. So putting up 17 and 8 a game didn't really, you know, it didn't really matter in that sense. But right. the way that he did it, Brian, it wasn't just him feasting in that sense. Like, he did it on threes, getting to the line, like moving around the post, hitting open mid-rangers. Like he did it in a way that is sustainable. That's what I was looking at with him. The the way that he scores, the way that he plays, the way that he defends, is that something that is translatable to bigger to a bigger role and to, you know, a proper NBA game. And I think his game is. I think mm-hmm. his game can carry that out. Like in, in and also just the fact that he is so productive on a per minute basis it doesn't even matter if he starts or not. He can come off the bench initially, and he'll give you, you know, not a point per minute, but very close to it. Like, he will put the ball in the hoop. Like, he was dominating in the G League as well. I mean, this is a guy who can get buckets, he can get rebounds, he can block shots, he can get to the free-throw line, and he can hit the damn shot from the free-throw line as well for a big, that's crucial, and he can hit the three. There is so much to his game. The th- one thing that he doesn't do, and that's the problem, he does not pass the ball. Not very much. That is the biggest weakness. Yeah. And that's a crucial weakness. I get it. But I wonder if that's a result of him constantly playing these garbage minutes and mm-hmm. not getting a sustainable role where he doesn't have to look over his shoulder on every damn play. Like maybe if you tell him, you know what, Christian, you get 20 minutes a game right off the bat. You don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. then I would be very interested to see how he adapts to that. I, I love the way that he plays, and I'm going with Wood. <laughs> if you nail this one, I, we're going to retire picking MIP. Because Levert was a great pick last year, but if like you find such a deep cut that he's not even listed, mm-hmm. and then he ends up being right, I, you, for, you will just... You will be the only one who records the MIP segment next year. I will just step away because clearly I have no idea what's going on. I just um, I just want partial credit if he has a good year. That's, that's fair. all I'm asking. That's fair. That's fair. I'm not going to go as deep cut as you here. I'm also not picking Roger because um, I just it's just going to be gross if he wins, right? Like yes. It's, it's just going to be he got force fed shots and volume on a bad team, but I, I'm not convinced that he's going. To substantially improve maybe he does if he's actually a significantly better player and if like scary terry from the 2018 playoffs comes out right then you know what that's fair like if, if you're looking for value just based on you know his his per game production is going to double that's a fair thing to bet on i get it but i just don't feel good <laughs> making that pick so a couple guys really stood out to me. Bam Adebayo, I think, now that Hassan Whiteside's gone, um, he, in theory, should have that starting center spot locked up. You know, he played all 82 games last year, but only started 28 of them. Averaged 
9.7 rebounds and a block per game in only 23.3 minutes. If he goes up to the low 30s, I think his production will also rise significantly. You know, they still have Kelly Olynyk there. They got Myers Leonard this summer, so he does have some competition for minutes. But I think Adebayo is going to have a big year. And, you know, last year, just because Miami didn't really have, you know, it was Dwayne Wade's farewell tour, but, like, that was the only real reason to follow Miami last year. Now that they have Jimmy Butler, they're going to get a little bit more national attention than they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for that reason, Adebayo is going to catch some more uh, eyes than he did last year when he was fighting a sulking Hassan Whiteside. You're so, a bigger coward than Ben Simmons, though. <laughs> You're choosing a lottery pick. Oh, but it, this is a third-year guy. I don't care. You're choosing a lottery pick. I mean, that's... Oh, no. That's well, that's that's one of the rules I have for this award, it's, at least for my own sense. Like, don't pick a lottery guy and don't pick someone who's in his second year. But like outside lottery year. and no, no, yeah, yeah, I get that. But like yeah. in, in general, just don't pick a second year player or don't pick a lottery pick guy because those guys are just expected to be that much better. It's like, hey, look, I picked this guy. Oh, I won. Yeah, he was right. supposed to get a lot better. I, you're a coward, man. I'm calling you out. Well, I mean, but look at the past. Like, Oladipo has won. CJ McCollum won. Paul George yeah, won. Yeah, I know. Kevin and it's, Love it's won. all crap. It's all <laughs> crap. This, That's I, fair. Hey, hey, look, again, I, I'm not the the most positive dude to bring on an awards pot. I know that. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, like, Shea Gilgis Alexander is at plus 1,400. He seems like a pretty good value to me, too, just because, like, the Thunder are clearly establishing him as their, their franchise piece right now. So, in theory... You know, I know he's going to have to compete for touches at least early in the season with Chris Paul, Daniela Gallinari, Stephen Adams. Yeah, but, you know, I I still think his numbers are going to go up significantly. But, yes, yeah, lottery pick plus second year, that's where I draw the line. So I'm I'm also shying away from him. Jonathan Isaac's the other guy who stands out. I know, again, a lottery pick, I know. But third year, at least, not second year. And, you know, if he takes that leap, he's... Did somewhat last year, but still only averaged 9.6 points, 5.5 rebounds. If he boosts that significantly this year, which might be tough given the Magic's crowded front court, but hopefully they prioritize the right guys, namely their young guys, and realize like those guys need to be very good. They need to be the future of the team for them to go anywhere. Um, having a real point guard, assuming Markel Fultz continues, you know, he's looked good in the preseason. Um, And even if the shot isn't there, even if three-point shot isn't there, just having a guy to create more offense for others should help all of these bigs in Orlando. So he's, he's another guy I have my eye on. I'm like torn between him and Adebayo for this award, but I'm going to, going to go with Adebayo for now. I'm very frustrated that you didn't mention Derek White here. Yeah, he's a good one too. He actually like for, and and he fits my criteria here. He's a third year player and he's the 29th overall in 2017. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to see. I know DeJounte Murray is at plus 2000. Let me see. I don't Oh man, think... that's just so risky because he's coming back from ACL. I I hope that he just hits the ground running. I just yeah. don't want to put that pressure on him at yeah. all. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, but Derek White is not even listed in the 
most improved player odds. And those Garrison. are my two favorite: Christian Wood and Derek White. Those are the calling. They're not listed. Boom. Yeah. There we go. No, Derek White's a good one. Like Luca is listed somehow, which <laughs> and like Trey Young, which I don't understand at all. And you're you're gonna love this. Jason Tatum has the best odds at plus one thousand. Oh my God! Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! You know what? I almost want to see Luca win this award. Right. I don't care about like second-year player lottery pick all that. I just yeah. because if he wins this award, that means he's going to be averaging like 35, 11, and eleven. Right. He's like like a major leap. Even Donovan right. Mitchell's at plus four thousand here. Oh God, no! Come on. Yeah. I'm, what? No. I know. Uh, <laughs> I actually have a dark horse as well. Zach Levine. Dwayne Bacon. Oh. I thought you were gonna go with okay, Dwayne Bacon. No, yeah, that's wait, interesting. Wait, wait, who are you? Who who do you think? I thought you were gonna say Zach Levine. No, 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 no. Look, he he is going to get better, but it's not like he averaged twenty four last year. Like he, I know. when you average that those type of numbers, like, yeah, you you. I think he is going to be much improved, and if yeah. preseason is any indication, he actually plays defense now. I'm <laughs> right. That's that, I'm very surprised about this. This is a, a new development. Uh, but 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 when a guy has averaged twenty four, I, I just don't think you can come back from that. It's it's like I also don't want the most improved player award to ever be like the comeback player award. Yeah, like yeah. Derek Rose, oh you know former MVP and then comes back after a lot of injuries and the averages like eighteen. Like he was getting MIP I know. buzz last that was year. So was stupid, so dumb. Like yeah. no, you, you former MVP. Like don't right. do it. But Dwayne Bacon is a guy I like. I think he's gonna get so many shots this year because yeah. They don't have anyone. Like realistically, <laughs> you could just go down the list of it's players horrible. on the Hornets and just like pick and choose. I I wrote their season preview for Forbes that that all went up on Tuesday, and we had to do like a best case and a worst case scenario. Yeah. And even the best case was bleak. It was like Terry Roger shoots forty percent from the field. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's really the best you could hope for. You're not making the playoffs. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. that's not great. Mitchell Robinson is the other guy who, if the Knicks didn't sign 6,000 power forwards this summer, just because he's so raw, if he is less raw this year and was going to get the minutes that he deserves, he would be a fun... I mean, he's at at plus 6,000. You could... Right. I mean, I get it. He's still a second-year player. I get that he's not a lottery pick, like second-round. Second-round pick, yeah. But remember when we had Matt Moore on? He was yeah. he said that all the journalists had just wised up on just not going with second year guys on this award. Yeah, yeah. As he's so raw. If he if he's better, if he looks somewhat in control this year, I mean, he just puts up the numbers as a shot blocker that will draw attention. Mm. But again, he's not going to play enough minutes at least can, can i ask you something that is a bit weird here why are we actually excluding rookies from most improved player like if a guy comes in from college right yeah like and he's just had the most pedestrian season in college yeah like and a, he comes like into the nba cam yeah. reddish coming out and just like exploding like, like he's supposed to or we could even we could even go donovan mitchell for a guy who's done this like he had right, a very pedestrian right. year mm-hmm. at louisville and he came into the NBA and just played so much better. Like he was significantly improved. But like, nope, that's it's it's very uh, like internal. Like, oh, you yeah. have to have played the NBA yeah. before. But yeah. I, just theoretically, the le- the leap that he took from college to the NBA. Oh, for I, sure. I think that warrants some sort of attention in terms of improvement. Yeah. No, I think you're right. It's like you need an NBA baseline before right. you can 
win this award, but it's a fair point. And a, a Cam Reddish or like a nastier Little in Portland. Yeah, that would. But like technically, even if a guy plays like one NBA minute, right? That's it. Mm-hmm. Like for the first rookie season, like he plays one minute, he, he yeah. makes a game in like game <laughs> eighty-two, and it's a blowout, and he gets the last minute. Then yeah. next year, he goes out and averages seventeen, five and five. What's the difference? No, it's a fair point. I because mean, that ha- dude would ultimately win that award. Right. Like, hey, Markel Fultz is on this board right now at plus 4,000. And he basically <laughs> has played one NBA minute. <laughs> I just need to get that slander. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Texting enrolls you into reoccurring automated text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Come on, one more rep. You got this. Uh, Ten. There it is. Nice work, man. You're a beast. Thanks, man. I feel better than I have in years. And I got to tell you, taking Nugenics makes a huge difference for me. Nugenics? That's the uh, testosterone booster with TV ads with Frank Thomas. The big hurt, right? Oh, yeah. This is a legit product. The key ingredient is testophen, which helps boost free testosterone levels and increase lean muscle mass. Well, it's clearly working for you. Hey, are they still giving out complimentary bottles for people to try for themselves yeah nugenics is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance and i need to get a complimentary bottle of nugenics no problem you just got to send them a text text body to 42424 right now for your complimentary bottle of nugenics the number one selling free testosterone booster at gnc nugenics samples are not available in stores so text body to 42424 right now text b-o-d-y to 42424 that's body to 42424 the Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi oh! This next one's for you too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. On that note, let's move to Coach of the Year, where there are, again, a bunch of very intriguing candidates. Doc Rivers is the favorite at plus 300. Quinn Snyder's at plus 600. Brad Stevens, number three, at plus 700. Gotta, gotta respect being able to take money from people in Boston. Uh, Frank Vogel, plus 850, assuming he does not get kneecapped by Jason Kidd at the trade deadline. Very bold. Uh, And then Mike Malone rounds out the favorites at plus 1,200. So where are you going for Coach of the Year, Mort? Brett Brown. Hey, wow, look at you. Mm -hmm. Look at you going all Philly. I'm going Philly on this one, yeah. No, I I mean, look, again, I think the defense, you know, you have – so many good players defensively at least on Philly right now. Mm-hmm. Now it takes a coach to mold it and like figure out the right system of how to properly integrate them. And I think Brett Brown is just the guy to do it. Mm-hmm. Um I always thought that you know that the firing rumors were dumb, <laughs> stupid, yeah. unnecessary, right. completely ridiculous honestly. Mm-hmm. Um but but he's just such a I mean he's such a good coach, man. And it's about time the league recognized. Uh, so this is also partly of just this election is partly of me just wanting to basically shove those rumors back to where they can't come from. Came from. Yeah. Um, and the thing with me here is, and this is what I'm looking at because the biggest concern I have about Philly is you guys don't have like an on-ball closure like you did with Jimmy. 
Right. Like, there isn't that one guy you can give the ball to who can create jump shots for himself. Like, the actual jump shot. You can you have guys who can create for themselves, but not in the way that Jimmy could. Like, yeah. you gave Jimmy the ball, he could create a shot for himself wherever on the floor. And only yeah. a handful of players can do that. So now, Brown is going to be tasked with this assignment of figuring out, okay, how do we actually execute in late-game situations? Mm-hmm. And maybe he takes the approach like Scott Skiles used to do back in the like olden Chicago Bulls days, where he actually preferred that the final possession of a game were the Bulls on defense mm-hmm. because he had such... Uh, optimism and and you know he, he relied so much on their defense that he actually preferred that the final possession would, would be defensive. Mm-hmm. So maybe Brown is like thinking out of the box and going, you know what, I, I trust my defense more than my offense in terms of shot creation. I think there's so many layers to it, and I think he's the guy to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can argue like Tobias Harris could, in theory, fill that role, but I'm not convinced that he yeah. actually can. Right, and the same with Josh Richardson. We saw right. him in Miami try to have that role, and, had, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out great. I think Tobias is is probably the second best option in that regard. But yeah. the thing is, like, he's not fluid. Like, he's right. not a guy who can just contort his own body and create mid range shots. Uh, yeah. I think that is where this team is going to miss Jimmy. Like, the, the defense sure. was kind of figured out because you, you got Thibault in the draft. Um, ben is going to be better. Joel is going to be better. You got Richardson in the trade. Horford mm-hmm. was signed. Like there's a lot of defensive, you know, talent there. I mean, it's Sire Smith as well. Yep. But offensively, that's his biggest challenge, and I, and I have to assume that he figures out something. I'm I'm very <laughs> high on Brett Brown. I think it's his time. Let's let's hope. Yeah. I mean, I would love for those fire Brett Brown rumors to go away for at least one year because I'm I'm with you. I mean, just in terms of establishing a culture. I think he's done a phenomenal job, especially given what what he was tasked with six years ago, where it was like, right. we're going to run <laughs> three years worth of a G League team through you. Good luck. Figure it out. You know, he's, he's often fond of like saying he would be introduced to a player and be like, all right, cool. Go out there. Play point guard. Like, I don't know your name, but <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. Go play 30 minutes in an NBA game. So, yeah, I mean, this is the the most talent he's had at his disposal. This is the deepest team he's had at his disposal. Right. Everything is in aligned for him to have the best year of his career in Philly, which knock on wood, he will. So it, it's a very good pick. He's at plus 2000 um, tied with a bunch of guys, Kenny Atkinson, Nate McMillan, Luke Walton, Alvin Gentry, Mike Budenholzer. So if you're looking at him for good values, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's right, right, right. in that mix. I do more. need to, of course, mention what I always mention. Pop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this should be pop still. I mean, yep. I, I'm, I've just decided to ignore it this time around because I, <laughs> I've, I felt I've said it so much, so many times before. But right. I, I, we can't have an awards pot and not me going on a rant about how pop isn't an annual winner. He's at plus 1,400. So he actually has the sixth best odds, if that makes you yeah. feel any better. No, I don't care about that. I care about him actually getting the hardware. I know, I know. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go boring here. I gotta go Doc Rivers. I just think. Oh, that is boring. Oh my god, I, you're playing it so dull and safe this time around. I know, but like, I think they're favorites for a reason. You know, like he Doc is not. It's not an easy task what he has to deal with, given the amount of overhaul they had this summer. It's like if you 
Like Mike Malone is at plus twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. Mike Malone has a relatively easy job this year. Like they basically just return their entire rotation plus Jeremy Grant plus Michael right. Porter Jr. Like keeping Michael Porter Jr. in check, telling him not to take all of the shots <laughs> and like, you know, just guiding him through the ropes of a rookie season. That's going to be one of his biggest challenges, but otherwise it's like do the same stuff you did last year cuz you guys won 54 games. Like, let's keep doing it. They also have a very easy start to the schedule. The, you know, the Nuggets, I think they play 13 of their first 20 against teams with losing. That ended last season with losing records. So, like, they're going to get off to a hot start. He's going to get some early Coach of the Year buzz as well. He should, but he just didn't, there isn't as much to tinker from year to year. Doc Rivers is inheriting two guys in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who are high usage, high volume players. Like it, you're going to have to overhaul your system to accommodate those types of guys. And you're going to have to Well, yeah, I mean, cuz you're going to have to tell the rest of your players like, "All right, these are the one and two options. You're like the team is running through them offensively. And then defensively, you need to tailor your system to, okay, we don't have an elite rim protector. We need to be our, our focus needs to be, let's just play elite perimeter defense. Because we can't, it's not like Philly where you can funnel guys back to a right. Joel Embiid or Utah where you can funnel guys to a Rudy Gobert. Like, you don't want to funnel guys, if you're the Clippers, you don't want to funnel guys to the rim because that's going to be one of your big weak points this year. So getting guys all on the same page, I just think, like, integrating such a big piece, even one player, is often difficult. You know, we saw the Lakers last year with LeBron. It took, there was, there was an acclimation period. Um, getting two in the same summer, I think, is just going to be a difficult challenge for Rivers and managing egos and keeping everyone happy. I think he's up for the challenge. Oh, I I disagree with you on pretty uh, a fair amount of levels here because first and foremost, I, I agree with you on defense. That one, mm-hmm. I absolutely think that's a great point and one that should be talked about more. That's totally fair. In terms of the offense, though, they ha- did have Danilo Gallinari last year. Mm-hmm. You could argue, in terms of shot profile and you know the, the, the reliance on threes, you basically tell the team, you know, Paul George is basically your new Danilo Gallinari in terms of role. Yeah, and they, now and you they just, had Tobias Harris for the first half of the year as well. That's your Kawhi. Well. They're, they have played with, you know, all-purpose wings who can switch up to the four before with mm-hmm. those two guys. So, yeah. you know, now you're just getting two versions of that who are <laughs> worlds better. Right. And, but but in terms of, like, the eco, here's the thing. that That is w- the one thing that I don't worry about whatsoever. Like, hello, Kawhi. Hi. Like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. There's, yeah. there's no eco there. He's not going to yeah. do anything. And, and Paul George... By all accounts, is is one of the most straightforward uh, guys in the league, who are just like not a problematic player to have by any means. Like yeah. he's very accommodable. I, I know that he wanted out of of Indiana. I get that, but this is not about wanting out. In terms of him actually playing and listening to coaches and whatnot, I, I don't ever. Rem- I, I don't remember him ever having having had issues in that regard. He seems to no. be one of the most hardcore professionals in the league. So I don't know. I get what you're saying, but I, 
I think we are overestimating the job that that is you know required by Doc Rivers. He just ha- he just got two MVP candidates. Mm-hmm. I in, I kind of look at it as his job has just gotten significantly easier. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, like he he went from having you know like somehow finagling that Clippers team last year into a forty eight which team, which seemed right. unlikely, especially after trading away Tobias at the trade deadline. Yeah, like, he inherited a title favorite, but now the pressure is on. Now it's like, okay, we gave you the talent, now turn this into a title favorite, even though Paul George is going to miss the first couple weeks of the season. Kawhi Leonard may or may not have some sort of load management plan. Figure out the best way to keep pace in this Western Conference race, because in theory, we're, you know, I don't think... The Clippers probably aren't going to prioritize home court advantage to the extent that, you know, the Bucks or the Sixers will in the East, where it's a clear two-team race at the top. Like, the Clippers know we have to worry about the Lakers, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Rockets, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they might be okay with falling to the three or the four seed, but they're still going to want to significantly improve over what they did last year, or at least, you know, figure out how to hone their rotations best for the playoffs, figure out which guys work best in concert with one another. And I think that's it's going to be a full-season job. You're not going to figure that out in the first five Agreed. or ten games of the season. So, you know, you, you know you have a few staples, like the Lou Montrez pick-and-roll is going to remain lethal off the bench. So I don't think those guys are going to have their roles change all that much. And it's a fair point that, Kawhi and Paul George can kind of slide into the roles that Tobias and Danilo Gallinari played last year, but just <laughs> better. Um, but I still think it just, when you're bringing in big pieces like that, it's right. more of an adjustment than we often think. Like, it's not Oh, no, just, I, I agree with that. It's not like it's just a cakewalk. That's not yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. that you get two guys who, like, none of them have the ego of LeBron. Like, sure. Yeah. So so and th- so you don't have to take account to that. You don't have to take that into account and go, "Oh, okay, we we also have to make sure that his every weird ass need is met." And, <laughs> right. There's you there's know, guy could be like to... Arthur Fist subtweeting or like Doc Rivers right. is not going to think he's getting fired if they get off to a slow start this year. Exactly. Like there's yeah. not nothing in that. They don't have to per, you know protect these guys from being pro China, whatever. <clears throat> right. To throw right. that in there. Sorry. Right. Uh but Ultimately, I, I get what you're saying, but but doesn't this also raise another interesting point about this award? Though it seems to go to the coach who has, you know, obviously one of the best, you know, records in the regular season, but also mm-hmm. one of the best rosters all the time. Yeah, yep, yep. I mean, is that really? It seems to be a recipe for disaster in some respects because then you're kind of saying, oh, these players, they could not have achieved this without this coach. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, that you could look at this this Clippers team with that much talent. You you could you could select just at least a handful of coaches from uh, this league right now and yeah. put them in the seat that Doc Rivers is in and they would be just fine. This is yeah. a player's league after all. Like, here's a dark horse. Like, if Atlanta makes the playoffs... Why not Lloyd Pierce? Pierce like yeah. if if that roster that right now is projected to not be a playoff uh, team, like if he just 
does something with it, like changes some schemes and uses players accurately. For example, they have Jabari Parker, like not playing him at small forward would be a great idea. Like maybe he figures out a way to play Jabari like perfectly. Maybe he figures out a way to move around certain guys so they get, you know, the most out of their skills, whatever. But he would never get that consideration because, oh, he didn't win, you know, 60 plus games and is a finals candidate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it often goes to a coach not only that has one of the best records and that has one of the best rosters, but also improved year over year significantly, improved the team's record year over year. Mm-hmm. Like, Budenholzer was such an obvious pick last year because he was inheriting Giannis and because the previous coaches underachieved to such an enormous extent right. that you didn't know they were going to win 60 games, but you knew they were going to win 50, probably flirt with 55. So... I think that works in both Brett Brown and Doc Rivers' favor in that, you know, the Clippers could go from 48 to 55 wins. And the Sixers, I think they won 51 last year. They very well could flirt with 60 this year. So both of those teams should have substantial improvement in the win-loss record department. And that, especially when you're already starting from a baseline of, like, low 50s or high 40s, it's right. hard to take that leap. Like that's one of the hardest jumps from, you know, playoff team, but not necessarily one of the elite. To okay, this is like a legit title contender. Like this team is very, very good. Fifty-five plus win team. Exactly. Yeah. And by the way, you know, if Jim Borland wins this one, I'm just gonna <laughs> retire from the pod for a year. He's at plus seven thousand for what it's worth. <laughs> Right, sandwich right between Steve Clifford at plus five thousand and Lloyd Pierce at plus eight thousand. Lloyd Pierce is actually a fair value bet in that case. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Let's wrap up with Executive of the Year. Uh, and as we were looking this up before we started recording, we realized in theory it's supposed to go to a general manager, but in practice, it's kind of gone. Votes have gone to both. Um, but, yeah, so general manager and team president. Yeah, so we're going to just include everyone here, but who who is your pick for Executive of the Year? Michael Winger. Mm-hmm. Do I, I think I even need to tell people who he's the general <laughs> manager of. Yes, the probably. Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Clippers. Um, I mean, look, you get Kawhi, you get Paul George, and you somehow still retain Landry Shamit, Lou mm-hmm. Williams. Montrezl Harrell. It's actually Montrez Harrell, I figure out. I've always pronounced the L. Yeah. That's yeah. that's an adjustment to me because on broadcast sometimes I, announcers actually do the same mistake as I do and pronounce oh, the really? L. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh. <laughs> and I'm picking that up. <laughs> Montrez Harrell. Um, yes. and, I, and they, you know, Subach as well didn't have to relinquish him pr- yep. primarily because he was a free agent, but even so. They got they got him to re-sign at a reasonable price. Re-signed exactly. Michael Green as well. Stole Maurice Mo Harkless. Harkless is there. I mean, that was just like they found a way to both be top heavy and insanely deep. Like I yeah. still think they're one big man away, and I desperately want Joakim Noah to actually sign there because I want a Joakim Noah versus LeBron James Los Angeles battle. Oh yeah, so bad. Yeah, I I I I want it. I want blood in that regard. But yeah. They're right there. They're my favorites. I think they're number one in my league pass ranking. They, it's a team that I think could win 60. I think it's a team that could just – I know that the West is strong, but the Clippers at full speed and full potential, they could devour the West. 
for sure. Um, and I think I said east before, but I meant west. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, when you gather a team like that, that's just that's ridiculously tough. So Michael Winger or Lawrence Frank, who's the team president, whatever, <laughs> right. just right. figure that out, voters out there. You know, because apparently votes can go to both, which yes. is weird. Yeah, Clippers executive. Pick whoever yeah. you want, yeah. but what Lee Jenkins? Let's give him the award. But Maybe yeah. that's the way to go. Like <laughs> instead of voting for a single guy, just vote for a team. Team, yeah, that yeah. would be smart, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you in Winger, just because of you get Kawhi and Paul George in one summer, you probably are going to win this award. But yes, yeah. they they hit moves around the fringes as well, which is. I don't want to say equally important because getting that star talent is the most important thing, but it is important. I mean, that's what Very often important. short circuits these big three, big four models is like you go load up on this top tier talent, but you ignore the fringes or you, you know, miss on those. And all of a sudden your depth is gone and you're kind of screwed. So right. yeah, the Clippers did a phenomenal job in that regard. I think David Griffin, with the Pelicans is going to get a lot of love. Yes, I mean, the haul he got for Anthony Davis, especially being as backed into a corner as he was, where it was like Anthony Davis is only going to re-sign with the Lakers, and still to get that much from the Lakers um, is going to be big for him. I think you know, bringing in Redick, bringing in Favors were great moves. Right. The moves he made on draft night, not only Davis, but you know, trading four to get eight, 17, yeah. and whatever else they got. Nikhil Alexander Walker mm-hmm. is so good. I mean, I even had a tweet a couple of weeks, maybe a month ago, where I was like, "Could I choose him for Rookie of the Year?" Yeah, yeah right. Like hit, hitting on those picks was big, so he deserves a lot of love in this race. I feel like it's funny that the Clippers completely overshadow the Nets, who got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, it's not going to be. It, it it wouldn't surprise me if Sean Marks wins next year, which is super dumb. Because he got the guys this year. But well, I I kind of get it. Really? Yeah. Okay. But he, so like, we, he didn't do the moves next year. No, no, no. Not winning next year. I kind of get oh. why he's being put on the back burner a little bit. Because because those guys like chose to go there? No, not necessarily. Because one thing is you know, Kyrie is just not as good <laughs> as neither Paul George or Kawhi. I think sure. that's fair. I mean, yeah. that's that's objectively fair. At, the, at least at this point, like he may show something this year that is, you know, proves to me otherwise. But mm-hmm. I doubt it. And also Durant's injury. Like I honestly, I, I've been very surprised about the media reaction to, to Durant's injury. Like everyone seems to just kind of rely on the fact that he's going to come back and be one hundred percent next year. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I don't want to be skeptical about that. I want Durant to come back at 100%. I want him to do that. Yeah. But it, it's such a long shot, man. I, yeah. It's, it's an Achilles injury. He's 31. Yeah. Like, the precedence of having someone at that age coming back from that injury and being even remotely close to the same production, especially a, a, a star of that magnitude, those arts of solo, only one guy really did it, and that was Dominic Wilkins. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Like, no, at, at some point, we just have to be realistic about it. I mean, unfortunately, at least logic dictates that the Kevin Durant that we knew 
is not going to be the Kevin Durant that returns to, to Brooklyn next year. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, you just have to look at Kawhi and Paul George, who are both, well, I mean, they're not the spitting image of health, but at the very least, they they aren't suffering from an Achilles injury. Yeah. No, it, it's I don't think Marks deserves to win over the Clippers, especially right. for what they did. But I, I just the fact that they got those two guys, despite, I, the concerns are valid, but like still, you get those two guys, that's oh, a yeah, huge yeah. coup. And especially the fact that they got them and the Knicks did not is just hilarious. You know, right. But does it count against uh, Sean Marks that he also had to sign Keandre Jordan? <laughs> That's that is a fair point. He did. I mean, they picked up uh, Wilson Chandler, Garrett Temple. Like they got some other decent guys in there as well. David Nwaba. Like yeah. that's what that's what he's winning for. If anything, yeah. David yeah. Nwaba, man. That's true. Um, Sam Presti is not going to win this award, but he deserves credit for getting that haul for one player in Paul George. Like it made sense from the Clippers' perspective too, because they weren't just getting Paul George; they were getting Kawhi Leonard. Right. So. It made sense for both sides, but you could argue the Clippers got, or the, the Thunder got as much, if not more, than the Pelicans did for Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is a better player than Paul George. So Presti deserves major, major credit. And then flipping Westbrook and getting more picks for him. Like, just a, it's a painful, painful move, and they're going to be worse next year because of it. But. My God, he set that was Thunder it? team up. Well, oh God, we're not. No, <laughs> no, no, Westbrook no, 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 but I'm saying, in, look, you and I actually had a podcast uh, a while back before the the, the Westbrook trade, mm-hmm. and you and I were legitimately discussing whether or not Russell Westbrook had positive or negative value. Like, yeah. that was a thing we discussed. We right. weren't sure. Like, and, and, and I remember both of us, of us were like, he may have negative value. Like, that yeah. point was, was on the board. And then he ended up getting traded for, what, four picks or something like that? Yeah, I think two two picks and two pick swaps. All right. So if you go from that, if you are le- legitimately sitting there considering, oh, maybe it has negative value. Right. And you get that type of, of haul, then it's all good. Like, yeah, to no, me, that's what I'm that saying. Was it's like huge. it was a great move, but I think emotionally it's painful to go from – this guy's been our point guard from 11 years. Like, right. We, the community has such a connection to him. Yeah. He, yeah. You know, he won MVP with us a couple of years ago, even though Paul right. George left. Like, who's yeah, going to be a jerk to our media guys now? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I, I, from an, not from a value perspective, I think it was a painful move. But yes, getting right, that right. much for him was huge. Um, and then I'll throw in Elton Brandt. I just think he deserves credit for assembling a very handsome team of gentlemen. <laughs> Have you seen? They're all good-looking guys. It's just a good-looking team. Uh, yes, I will agree with that. Actually, Thank you. Uh, yes, that is that is very true. And Elton himself is quite the looker. Exactly. So yeah. if, if you're awarding this just based on physical attractiveness, Elton Brand. Yeah. Runaway Elton winner. Brand is right up there in in that sense, and I mean, yes, I, I absolutely. If you at least include him, as in, in <laughs> right. because he he's he's gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, I I think yeah. Michael Winger, we or whoever Michael Winger, Lawrence Frank, Lee Jenkins, yeah. Clippers executive insert here. We so, can agree. Brian, I need you not you. You're not allowed to Google. Okay. What is the name of the, de- uh, the general manager of the Denver Nuggets? 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't pronounce it. I can so tell you that much. It's pretty fun because for some reason we just assumed that a lot of the names that are up in the media, like for for example with the Denver Nuggets, is like Tim Connolly. Mm-hmm. We just assumed that 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 you know that that was the guy calling the shots, and it is. But in terms of the team president role and general manager role, like the, it it really differs in terms of who the media puts their 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 focus on. Like beside Jerry, for example, is not the general manager in Toronto, and that was the guy we talked about as the GM over the past couple of years. He's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's team president. So, <laughs> I think it's an interesting distinction. Uh, we we should get someone on just to talk about this. Like, why are those two jobs? set up the way that they are. Mm-hmm. I would love that. Yeah, I agree. But yes, we're, we're assuming that this award can go to either team president or general manager because a lot of people voted for Tim Conley and Messiah Ujiri last year, both of whom are team presidents. And so when I mentioned David Griffin, he is technically the executive vice president of the Pelicans. He tried in Langdon is the GM there, but... Right. Griffin, I think, is the one, you know, the the face of that front office. So I think he's the one who will end up getting votes. But right. yeah, so and, it wouldn't and, su- it wouldn't surprise and, me if Lawrence Frank is the one who ends up winning executive of the exactly. year this year for that reason. Like guard packs back in the day, before yeah. everything started to go south, <laughs> they split votes all the time. Right. Yeah. And as for the name of uh, Denver Nuggets' uh, general manager, Arturas Kordisovas. There you go. That's why we have a European on this podcast. There we go. <laughs> well, that's a good place to wrap up, Mort. We will be back later this week to talk about the top storylines to watch heading into the season. But otherwise, we are less than a week away from the regular season. Our long national nightmare is almost over. We're about to have some real basketball. So we are excited. In the meantime, Follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. Your long national nightmare is over. Is, is, is Trump finally gone from the seat they're working on it okay how do i control money envelopes the first of the month i divide up my cash one for groceries one for gas one for fun it helps plan out my spending and that's how we came up with digital envelopes for your checking account our customers give us the best ideas huntington welcome how do i control money envelopes the first of the month i divide up my cash one for groceries one for gas one for fun it helps plan out my spending and that's how we came up with digital envelopes for your checking account our customers give us the best ideas huntington welcome